This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, service. Our purpose in life is to help others along the way. May you each try to do the same. Our purpose in life is to help others along the way. Those words are from Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor in a letter to her three sons that was read at her funeral last week. It is the consummate description of the term public servant. All too often in the day-to-day turmoil of politics, we tend to overlook the thousands of people around us whose mission is not power, fame, or riches, but to serve. For our final podcast of 2023, I wanted to focus on those people. It is easy to take them for granted. Sadly, the only time we think of them is when they temporarily disappear. A federal government shutdown, something we may see in a matter of weeks, will take away from us some of those services. Part of the problem is that doing a good job doesn't make for very interesting news stories. News focuses on the unusual, the unexpected. When we read about public service, It too often is in the context of something bad. It's also a flaw in our competitive political system. Candidates focus on what they see as the flaws in the performance of their opponents. For example, we're hearing a lot of rhetoric about a failed economy from those seeking to regain power. The leading Republican candidates for president, including the former president, speak incessantly about how our nation is in trouble when the facts demonstrate just the opposite. Our economy is thriving. It isn't perfect but it's the strongest in the world. Inflation has come down. Prices of things like gasoline, travel, and many food items have come down. Unemployment is at a record low level. Wages are increasing. And the predicted post-pandemic recession never happened. Over the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on public service that is quietly succeeding. In January, we'll talk with Attorney General Nessel about the literally thousands of actions taken by her team that never make news, but improve the lives of Michiganders every day. We'll hear from House Speaker Joe Tate on what the 2023 legislative record means to improving your life. And this week, we'll go behind the scenes with Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and the work of her team on so many customer service-related efforts that don't make headlines, but improve the service you receive from your state government. But first, an update on the political and policy news this week that has a direct impact on Michigan with MDP's Dorian Tyatt. In the news this week, then-President Donald Trump personally pressured two Republican members of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers not to sign the certification of the 2020 presidential election, according to recordings reviewed by the Detroit News and revealed publicly for the first time. The phone call may be grounds for charging Trump and the Republican National Committee Chair, Ronna Romney McDaniel, with attempting to bribe public officials in violation of Michigan law. On a November 17, 2020 phone call, which also involved McDaniel, Trump told the two GOP Wayne County canvassers they'd look terrible if they signed the document after they first voted in opposition, and then later in the same meeting voted to approve certification of the county's election results, according to the recordings. 
In the phone call, McDaniel and Trump offered to pay for attorneys to represent the two if they would refuse to sign the canvas and throw Michigan's election result into chaos. Legal experts say that offer could constitute an illegal offer of a bribe to influence government actions, a felony under Michigan law. A three-judge federal panel ruled Thursday that 13 state legislative maps running through Detroit are unconstitutional because race predominated in Michigan's first ever citizens-led mapping process. The maps must be redrawn and no more elections can be held under the current lines, the panel ordered. The judicial appointees of former President George W. Bush, a Republican, directed the parties in the case to appear before the court in January to discuss how to redraw the lines. Two former senior aides to a Republican State House speaker are facing a raft of felony corruption charges. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel announced the charges Thursday. Robert and Ann Menard worked for then House Speaker Lee Chatfield. The team was known for its prolific fundraising. Nessel said the allegations include embezzling from not-for-profit and campaign funds, filing a false tax return, and conducting a criminal enterprise. She added, quote, this was not an accounting error. This was not an oversight. This was instead a repeated pattern of illegal activity, end quote. Nestle said that the criminal investigation into former Speaker Chatfield was continuing. Another former Republican House Speaker, Rick Johnson, is already serving a prison sentence after a bribery conviction. Two former state Senate Republican leaders are also under criminal investigations relating to their use of dark money political funds. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has proposed a tax savings plan aimed at boosting vehicle sales in Michigan. The My Vehicle rebate proposed by Whitmer earlier this month comes after two previous unsuccessful attempts asking lawmakers to approve similar plans to lower the cost of purchasing a new electric vehicle in the state. Whitmer's latest proposal for a state tax rebate lowers costs based on the type of vehicle purchase and whether it was built in a unionized facility. The top rebate of $2,500 would go for a new battery electric or hybrid vehicle made in a unionized facility. U.S. consumer confidence rose in December by the most since early 2021 as Americans grew more upbeat about the labor market and the inflation outlook. The conference board's index increased to 110.7 in December from a revised 101 reading in November, a measure of expectations which captures the outlook for about six months out, advanced as consumers saw better business conditions, incomes, and labor market prospects. Expected inflation a year ahead fell to the lowest level since late 2020. Nearly a quarter of former President Donald J. Trump's own supporters believe that he should not be the Republican Party's nominee for president next year if he is found guilty of a crime, according to a New York Times-Siena College poll. Attorney General Dana Nessel's crusade against robocalls and robotechs got a big boost from the Federal Communications Commission. The FCC has amended a rule governing telemarketing communications requiring individual businesses to obtain written consent from consumers before sending robotechs and making robocalls. Under the prior rule, lead-generating businesses misled consumers who believed they were consenting to a single company's telecommunications, only to receive sometimes hundreds of unwanted calls and text messages 
from industry competitors. Vice President Harris plans to embark on a nationwide tour in January to push back on state abortion restrictions, signaling that President Biden's team intends to highlight the issue more aggressively as he makes his case for a second term. Harris's tour begins in the swing state of Wisconsin on the January 22nd anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 Supreme Court case that established a constitutional right to abortion. The court overturned Roe in June 2022 with the Dobbs decision, returning the question to the states and setting off a wave of restriction. The U.S. Supreme Court said Friday that it will not fast track consideration of Donald Trump's claim that he is immune from prosecution for actions he took as president, a question crucial to whether he can be put on trial for plotting to overturn the results of the 2020 election. The court's one-sentence order offered no explanation for turning down special counsel Jack Smith's review for expedited review, which he said was needed to keep Trump's election obstruction trial on track for early March. The order can be seen as at least a limited and temporary win for Trump who has actively worked to delay the legal proceedings against him as he campaigns again for the Republican presidential nomination. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Titus. Thank you, Dorian. Since her election as Secretary of State in 2018, Jocelyn Benson has worked tirelessly to make the service you receive from her department more efficient, less costly, and even more pleasant. While her department's work on elections makes the headline, it's the other work of the department that impacts her life on a regular basis. She talks about those services and how her team has improved them with our Wald Sork. The interview with Secretary Benson was recorded before the announcement of the federal court ruling on Michigan's legislative district maps and before the Detroit News revelations about direct pressure from Donald Trump to overturn Wayne County's 2020 election results. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. We are recording before Christmas, and uh, the podcast is being published on Christmas Day, so a belated, depending on when people are listening to this, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I love this time of year. As a mom of a seven-year-old, it is a fun time. I was reflecting back the other day when people that are in public office, all too often we forget that they're people. <laughs> they have families. Yeah. We can be all things. We can be moms and wives and public servants and secretaries of state. As my son loves to say, he says, I love you, mama. And also, I love that you're secretary of state. He's <laughs> like, you're going to play that dual role. <laughs> the theme of this week's podcast is service. And what I wanted to talk about mostly were the things that your department does that don't get in the paper. Mm. We read about all the work you do on elections and on ballot proposals and things like that. But for most of us, the most important thing you do is handled at the branch offices. And when you took office six years ago, they were a disaster. It was a half day or longer trauma to walk into a branch office, even just to get license plates. Yeah, or change your address on your voter registration form. And it wasn't just traumatic for our residents, for our customers, but it was traumatic for those who worked at the department as well on any given day. And these are parents. These are caretakers of families. They never knew when they'd get home because they had to stay until the last person was served. And if there's a four-hour wait at 4.30 p.m., 
they're going to be there until 8.30 p.m. They can't pick their kid up from school or childcare or cook dinner for their family um, or even be there for dinner. It was heartbreaking. And we're paying individuals not a lot of money to do this very important work. And we weren't treating them poor. We We weren't treating them well at all. And so the work we've done was really about putting them first, putting them at the forefront of saying, this is your workplace. Some of these folks had worked here 10, 20, even 30 years. You know better than anyone what we should be doing different and how we should improve. Tell me. And it was really visiting every branch office, which I did in my first 100 days. Also being appalled at the the fact that moms with three kids were having to sit on the floor in our Novi branch office for five hours to change the address on their license. I mean, it was horrific. And knowing it was unacceptable, but knowing the answers could come from talking to the folks on the front lines themselves, empowering them. And they actually did come up with a plan that we implemented and uh, and now see play out quite successfully. You've taken advantage of technology in a big way. Uh, The last transactions I've had with your office were all online, didn't have to go into the branch office. And it was very efficient, very quick, and I got the results that I needed right away. Yeah. One of the things I saw, we saw two things. One was this inefficient service when she went to a branch office, but also that half of the people, an estimated 50% of people who came to branches, didn't have to. A lot of the stuff could be done online, and then we put even more online and in self-service stations in grocery stores because not everyone has access to a computer or wants to do it online. And um, both of those things got people out of the branches that didn't need to be there. Uh, leaving those who did have to go to the branches for title changes or other in-person needs, having much less of a crowd to deal with. And that then enabled us to more efficiently serve those when they do come in for an in-person visit. What are some of the other things that your office does that most people don't know about? We maintain the organ donor registry. Everyone who signs up for that registry right now comes through our office and we work with the Gift of Life of Michigan and uh, to make sure that data is connected. Uh, And that's a great honor to be able to have that. We also have a child protective registry that we manage where parents can sign up to protect their kids from inappropriate internet content reaching their children. And so those are two smaller things. As the chief motor vehicle officer, I license everything that drives, floats, (laughs) or moves in our state, both the vehicles and those who operate them. And that's a big lift, especially at a time when mobility is center stage and evolving with new technologies. So we've got lots of opportunities there. I also oversee the driver's education program in our state. And I've begun an effort with my team to try to move that back into public education. I'm the daughter of two public school teachers and one taught driver's ed. And I've talked to a lot of kids and parents who can't afford to pay for this privatized driver's education. And that's why the public school component of driver's ed remains an important thing that we I want to take us back to. Yeah, as an old timer back in the day, that's where I got my driver ed. Yeah. Was from back my high school advisor was also my driver ed teacher. And I'd like to think that I learned better than people are learning now. And just looking out on the streets, it seems like that's the case. Yeah. Sometimes kids take the test without appropriate or effective education. Sometimes private driver's education schools, which we license along with all the mechanics in the state, uh, violate the law or cut corners in how they're preparing our youngest drivers to get on the roads. So all those things I think are uh, important to revisit and modernize. And that's one of the things I want to prioritize, especially once we get through the 2024 election cycle. 
I can't let you go without talking a little bit, at least, about elections. Yeah. And specifically in 2024, there's at least a good chance that you and the people that work under you on elections are going to be accused of messing it up or even having the election stolen. You've been accused before. Uh, you've proven it wasn't true, but it's going to happen again. How are you preparing for that? How are you preparing for the onslaught of elections yeah. we have this year? I would add falsely accused yes. of all these things because the, the truth is and the reality is our elections are secure. They're accurate. And the, the 1,600 clerks at the, at the county and local level who administer our elections are, by and large, incredibly professional, bipartisan. These are Democrat, Republican, independents who are committed to this work. And it's my honor to, to help them administer our elections and also take the mind that is thrown our way by people who get upset when they lost elections and just stand firm in defense of the people and the truths and the law and ensure that whomever people vote for that's the person who will ultimately take office and be deemed the winner. And that does mean taking on a lot of bullies who would rather bully us, especially many of us are women. I think I saw a number 80% of election administrators are women who would rather bully us or cajole us to break the law or not protect the will of the people. But all of that pressure that we've dealt with for the last several years has really only made us as a community and certainly me as a leader stronger and more devoted to this work than ever before. Because we're not going to let them win. We're going to let the truth prevail. And we have a sworn duty to protect the will of the people and their voices and their votes, regardless of who they vote for. And, and it's greatest honor in my life to be able to fulfill that duty at a time when we've got such bad actors, domestically and internationally, trying to undermine that basic foundation of who we are as Americans. The referenda in both 2018 and 2022 made your job harder, and you endorsed both of those efforts. Oh, but they made our democracy so much healthier, right? And so in that way, it made my job a lot better because I got to go into office and implement all these things. I didn't have to fight with the legislature to get things like no reason absentee, same day voter registration, automatic voter registration into our law. The citizens did it. And my honor was to make their will real. So it's one of the best things about my job that I got to do all of that. And uh, yeah, I meant working a lot harder, but that's why I ran for this office because I wanted to be able to do all those things and deliver those results for our citizens. One really good thing on top of making it easier to vote for people who have the right to vote is uh, laws passed by the legislature so that we'll get results faster. Yes. Yeah. Now in 2024, we can start pre-processing and tabulating absentee ballots 10 days prior to the election, more or less. And so that will enable us to begin that counting process. It will alleviate a lot of challenges on election day. Remember, a lot of absentee ballots still come in that last 24-hour period. So there will still be a lot of counting of absentee ballots on election day. But the, vast, the, the, the large numbers that come in prior to election day can be pre-processed and tabulated while the early voting period is going on, which will alleviate pressures on election day and hopefully help us get those results in sooner. One last question on, on elections before we go, and that is the verdict in Georgia on Rudy Giuliani. Uh, a clear message from that jury that lying about cheating in elections just can't be tolerated, and especially attacking day-to-day -day election workers who make the system work. Yeah, indeed. Because of these lies uh, and these falsehoods and these false accusations that have been levied at us for the last several years, a lot of threats have emerged, a lot of defamation, a lot of Really awful challenges have happened to folks at the state level as well as the local level. And Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman are two amazing heroes. They're incredible women who stood up to Rudy Giuliani and said, you're not allowed to lie about us and we're going to hold you accountable. And now to anyone else who's thinking about throwing threats and lies and 
and violent rhetoric our way for simply doing our job and administering good elections. We've got 148 million reasons why you should probably not do that. Your next election is February 27, the presidential primary. You ready? Yes, it'll be our first statewide election with early voting. We piloted early voting in our November local elections, particularly in Oakland County and the west side of the state and uh, other parts of Wayne County. And it went really well. Chris Swope in Lansing, for example, was one of our model clerks who piloted it at Lansing and really uh, gave us uh, optimism for smooth it will go in February. Uh, But nine days of early voting will be available for citizens participating in that February 27th primary. So it'll be our first attempt to see how that goes and give citizens that knowledge of how to vote early if they choose to do so. One quick story on Chris Swope. I worked for many years as an election judge in a precinct under Chris Swope. And uh, one year, our tabulation was off by one vote between the number of votes cast and the number of ballots we had issued. Mm. We spent three hours tracking down that one vote. And what happened? It turned out it was a computer error. Ah, yeah. And we finally figured it out. The work. But the thing was, Chris wasn't satisfied with being close. Right. He wanted it exact. Exact, yeah. And yeah. that's the way most of your people operate. Indeed, yeah. And that's the that's both the, the great part of the story over these last several years that our clerks have only gotten better, more transparent, more professional, more focused on doing a good job under this greater scrutiny. And of course, one of the greater tra- tragedies over these last several years is how many people don't realize that truth and have been lied to about the sanctity and integrity of our elections and the professionalism of our election officials. But that doesn't change the fact that they are professional. They are by the book. And my job is to support them and help them continue to be that and hopefully help convince as many people as we can of that truth and that reality as well. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, thank you so much for joining us, for interrupting your holiday preparations, and we look forward to talking with you again in 2024. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to see you, and really appreciate it. Happy holidays, everyone, and I'll see you in the new year. That's our report for this week. Our thanks to Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson for taking time out of her holiday schedule to update us on the work of the Department of State, and we all thank her for making those annual tours regarding license plates and driver's licenses a lot easier for all of us. I'm LaVora Barnes. We'll be back next week with another special guest, Speaker of the House, Joe Tate. We hope you and yours are having a wonderful holiday season and that you'll rejoin us next week for another update on the work of your Michigan Democratic Party. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.